Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, July the 31st, 2022. It is currently 11.06 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, and you should immediately notice that something isn't right. It's 11.06 a.m. It's Sunday. You you didn't hear a live service uh, for Sunday school that came to you from Victory Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And, well, I'm live at 11.06 a.m. on Sunday. Clearly, I'm not coming to you live again from Victory Baptist Church located in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Here I am in my home, Abilene, Texas, Nobody here, not not a church, not an in-person church service. It's just live streaming coming to you from my home. And you can also probably tell that things don't sound the same with my voice. Now, I don't know where you've been this week or last week, I should say. But if you were around last week, you know that, well, I tested positive for COVID and it was a horrible, horrible, horrible week. And yesterday I tested positive again, still still for, with COVID. It, I'm still not testing negative. So that means there's no way we could have church today. So here we are. And I, I still, I'm still not 100%. So I, I, I've tried to wait as long as I could to try to be in, in the best physical condition I could be to do as much as I could this today and trying to make up for something, trying to do some kind of live streaming, trying to do something that could benefit someone spiritually. And it, trust me, it is frustrating because I would rather like, okay, well, if I can't be at church, I will get up there at nine o'clock in the morning and I'll do live streaming from nine to five, five in the afternoon. I'll, I'll do hours and hours, but I, I, I know that I don't probably have that ability today. So I'm going to do what I can. And so what I kept trying to figure out Late last night, I kept going, okay, let me see here. It's Sunday. Now, I don't want to go back to Jude or to continue in Romans in this situation, right? Like here from the house, not in front of everyone. I'll, I'll save that for when hopefully soon, hopefully soon, we'll get back to having in-person service and I can stand behind the pulpit and we can get back. Now it's going to take a lot of catching everyone up and reviewing, but that's okay. I I, I will, I'll, I'll try to make that work. I don't want to try to continue that here. I just, I, I just felt like that that would be the wrong thing to do. So I'm like, so what do I do? What do I do this Sunday? Um, everything's a mess. The whole week has been just a disaster. The whole, uh, you know, well, the begin. This is the beginning of a new week in my mind. So last week was a complete disaster. I can't go back and fix it. I, I mean, let's just be honest. I can't even. I'm not even going to be able to go back and make up for everything that I wasn't able to get done for all the teaching that I, there, there's just no way to go back and make up that many hours. So I, I really I can't look back. I got to just look forward and go. Okay, what I can't do anything about what hasn't been done. I, I can't really worry about what I will do to try to make anything up in the future. All I know is I'm going to have a little bit of time on Sunday. Hopefully, I will feel strong enough and my voice will hold up that I can do something that will be beneficial. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I? And I just kept thinking and thinking. I'm like, you know what I'll do? 
I'll do this. First, it'll be a challenge to myself, which I like that because I, I want to feel like I want to challenge myself to see if I'm getting back to clarity of thought. Like if, if can I can I do things that I normally would do? Right. And, you know, that I love just to be able to be put on the spot and see if I can just make something work like that. I like that challenge. Uh, I've talked about it so many times, you know, in, in Bible Institute. My favorite thing was walking in and they just hand us a piece of paper. Or there's a bowl with paper in it. You reach in, you grab a piece of paper out and it has a scripture. I'm like, okay, you've got an hour to put a sermon together. That's I love that kind of thing. So I'm like, you know what? I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to, I don't want to use this time for Jude or Romans. So what am I going to do? So I, this is what I did. I, I said, okay, I set my iPad down because I'd been looking, trying to come up with something. I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach over. I'm going to grab my iPad. I'm going to open up Pocket Cast, one of the podcasting apps. And I'm going to look for the very first religious, theological, Christian podcast. And I'm going to hit play. And whatever, whatever I hear, that is what I'm going to force myself to do something with on Sunday. No matter what it is, I'm just going to hit play and whatever is there, that's what I, I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to have to deal with that. So I, I reached over, hit play and said, and then immediately it stopped. I'm like, you've, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it can't, it can't be this subject, but it was and so that's what we're going to work on today. I don't know how many episodes today. I don't know how long this will take to work on. It's going to raise all kinds of uncomfortable questions that nobody likes to deal with, but that's what we're going to do. So before I tell you, before I introduce it, before I say anything, I'm just going to, well, I'm going to mute the mic. I'm going to hit play and let you hear just enough that you too are going to be introduced to the subject that we're going to be working on. And if, even if it goes throughout the entire week, even if it goes through the entire week, then so be it. Even if it delays other things, so be it. Uh, be, I, I'm going to take every all the upheaval and the chaos and the difficulty and the frustration that of this previous week, I'm just going to let what that le leads to this moment. And so I'm just going to follow it. That led us to right here. I'm just going to follow it, and we, we may never have discussed discuss this subject. Well, we definitely wouldn't be discussing this subject today or this coming week if it wasn't for everything that went wrong. So I'm just going to allow it. In a sense, it it you know it's the wind, and it blew us this direction, and I'm just going to let it uh, continue to just drive us to wherever this where wherever we end up, and hopefully it will be somewhat beneficial and helpful. So are you ready? I would, I would like to, I mean, well, if there were people here, I would be like, okay, so what do you think it was? What do you think the topic was? What do you, what do you think it was? And see what people would say. People would, I mean, there's no real easy way to know, but <laughs> here we go. I'm not even going to tell you the title or anything. I will tell you that. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to hit play and then I'll, I'll stop re relatively quick. And then, well, the discussion is on. So here we go. This was late or, well, I guess technically early this morning. It was, at, it was after midnight when I hit play on this. And then I was like, okay, that's, that's what we're going to work on. I hope it goes well. We're getting ready to find out. So here we go.
Would you say that Christians are characterized more by unity or by division? <laughs> Would you say Christians are characterized more by unity or division? Or another way we could say this, would you say Christianity is characterized by unity or disunity? Come on, let's just be honest. Would you say Christianity is characterized by unity or disunity? I don't think anyone in their right mind would say it's characterized by unity. It's definitely characterized by disunity. It is characterized by division. It is characterized by church splits. It is characterized by denominational infighting and political maneuvering and 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 completely, you know, leaving one denomination to start another denomination, leaving one church to start another church. There's there's infighting within uh, individual congregations that split. There's backbiting and gossip and slander, and there's there is. Fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And we've got church history to 100% prove that, verify that. There's no way to get around that. What do you think characterizes Christianity more? Unity or disunity? Unity or division? We all know the answer. Disunity. Division. Fighting, schism, we, we all there. There is absolutely no way to get around that. But here's the question: That's a reality. There's no. There's no way to get around that reality. That is the reality. How do we understand that reality? In light of this, Gospel of John. Chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Jesus is praying. This is Jesus, the eternal son of God praying. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So I'm not just praying for those disciples that were present with Jesus at the time. He's praying for those who would believe because of the word of the disciples. Now listen, verse 21, that they... All those that would believe because of the words of the apostles, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed that, the, that those who would believe would be one. One, well, depending on which numbers you believe, and there's much debate over this, and which is, you got to find that just, that if that's not troubling enough, right? Jesus prayed that we would be one, but just trying to determine exactly how many different Protestant denominations there are, 
No one seems to agree on how we count and who can be included and who can't be included as a Protestant denomination. Because some Protestants are like, no, we don't include them, so those don't count. And others are like, well, no, those don't count. No, those don't count. No, we can't even agree on the number of how many Protestant denominations there are. Now, there, there's the famous number that gets uh, quote, quoted by a lot of Catholic apologists that always ticks Protestants off. Uh, they all say 33,000 plus, and, and, and Protestants will be like, that's ridiculous. And then others will be like, not between nine and 10,000. And I guess that makes Protestants feel better. Well, there's only nine or 10,000. And then others will be like, no, that's not accurate. And then others will look, well, wait a minute. For, say, for example, Southern Baptists. That's a denomination, right? However, every church is autonomous. So you can get a wide range of doctrinal differences within each individual Southern Baptist church. Now, some would argue, since they're autonomous, they're their own structure, they can do their own thing and have very, very diverse different doctrines and beliefs. You can go from Calvinist to Arminian. You can go, I mean, look, there's Southern Baptist churches just as well call, call them charismatic. So what, what, what do you do? What do you do there? So does each denomination, does each autonomous church count as, in a sense, its own denomination. It has its own authority. It has its own structure, has its own doctrine. Now, others are like, no, that's ridiculous. The point is, we can't even agree on how many there are. I don't care if there's 5,000, 9,000, 4,000, 30,000. The point is, Jesus says that we should be one. We are not one, haven't been one, and nobody wants to ever deal with it. Unless, well, I'll, there is one way we try to deal with it. We won't talk about that right now. So how do you reconcile that? D the disunity is everywhere. The division is everywhere. I mean, Southern Baptist, as a even as a denomination, they're always fighting and infighting amongst themselves all the time, political maneuvering to see who they can get put as, as president to try to do this or try to do that. It, it's more fleshly than in anything, even looking remotely spiritual. Methodists are all over the place right now. They've broken into multiple different groups. There's always, there's, I mean, constantly, it's one denomination after this church is, or, or we're going to leave the denomination and then the, the denomination is suing uh, to get the building back. Like, no, we're not going to give the building back. And then it goes to the court system and it's just fighting and 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 fighting. How about this passage? How about the book of Ephesians? The book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's one body. There's one body. Now, what some Christians will say, yes, there's one body. Oh, there's all these different, quote unquote, denominations and churches. But see, that doesn't count. There's one body. And if you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, then we're a part of one body. See, there's unity. But to me, that's that's such a theoretical unity. It's easy to say we're unified when we when when we're just where we don't meet like the quote unquote, the invisible body of Christ, the invisible church. We don't meet. We never come together. It's easy to maintain unity that way, right? You just, but guess what? We don't even agree. And who's a part of that one invisible body. I'll give you an example. 
a child is born in a Lutheran home. That, that those parents take that baby to that Lutheran church when he's about eight days old. And the Lutheran minister sprinkles water on his head in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then after he does that, he announces to the church, welcome to new, basically to your new brother or sister in the Lord, because they believe that baptism, well, produces faith, that that, that baptism regenerates that that child has his sins washed away and he becomes saved because of what happens in that infant baptism. Is that child a part of the one invisible body? Well, there's going to be plenty of us who believe, no, infant baptism does not save. It does not regenerate. It does not do anything. So we would say they're not a part of the body. We can't even agree on who is or isn't even in the invisible body. But we'll tell ourselves, hey, the invisible body. See, that makes us, that, that, that's how we get unity, right? It's the invisible body. That's how Jesus' prayer can be true. Well, we don't even agree on who's there. We don't even agree on who's there. We'll say, well, well anyone who's truly a believer is there, but we don't know who, who a true believer is or isn't. So we'd say it just seems to be like a manufactured unity. It makes us feel better, but there's no real unity there. The invisible church doesn't meet. The invisible church doesn't have a doctrinal statement. The invisible church, it's just, it's just a theory. That we say, well, see, we're one. That's, that's the idea of like, we can be one without really being one. So how do you, what do you do with this reality that we're supposed to be one and we're anything but one? Now it's not, it's, uh, the, the problem is obviously has grown. I mean, once the Protestant Reformation occurred, the divisions just keep going and going and going and going. Okay. We're going to break away from the Catholic Church, and then, nope, we're going to break away from Luther, and then this is going to break away from this, and this is going to break away from this, and we're going to break away from this, and then, boom, just continues to continues to go, and, and it happens all the time. Uh, you get a group of people together not happy in their local church, they will go, and they'll start another local church, and, and, and maybe an independent church, but you can't, I mean, you've got all the independent churches, you've got the denominational churches, it's just the division is never ending, and you can sit there and tell yourself, well, but Jesus says that we're going to be one, so we're one, because everyone over there who's a believer, they're a part of the body, and everyone here who's a believer is part of the body. I don't know who a believer is or isn't, and I don't think, well, I don't think that group over there really are believers because they believe in infant baptism or they believe in this doctrine that I don't believe qualifies to be truly saved. The point is, is there is no unity in any meaningful way. So what do we do with this? Well, we're going to back up this audio, and we're going to at least review a little bit of what they talk about. Now, the, the program that we are listening to is Discover the Word podcast. I would challenge you to look for it, Discover the Word podcast. I do not know which – I'd have to pull it up right now. I think this is a couple of weeks old. Uh, I'm behind, obviously, in listening to episodes from the Discover the Word because when I hit play, that's what I heard this this morning – and so I would challenge you. It, they, it looks like they spent two weeks on this subject. So that's awesome. They spent two weeks on it. <laughs> I uh, put it this way. I, I, I am not optimistic that they did much to resolve this problem. So here's what I, we're going to do. 
We're going to listen to what they have to say. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, right? I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my thoughts and my critiques. Um, I would challenge you, though, on this. And, and really, this is a no-win proposition, but, but there, there has to be a little bit of this. This reality should bother us. It should. Like, look, there's just, on one hand, you got to be bothered by it. On the other hand, you can only be bothered so much because there's very little option and what you can do. But once, think of it this way, once the once it broke, there's no putting it back together, right? Once we went from, and, and we could go, I'm going to simplify church history. Once where you go, say, with a one-centric, kind of a one-centric church mentality, right? And then you break away from that. And then you basically, the Protestant Reformation occurs. And then everyone just begins to, each one begins to split and do their own thing and their own thing and their own thing. Once that, once the dam broke, there's no putting it back together. You cannot gather up all the water that broke through the, the, the cracked dam, the, the dam that exploded and try to put it back behind the dam. It's gone. It's gone. And there's no putting it back together. And I wish there was. I wish there was, and um, because there's there's really no easy there's no real easy answer here. Uh, so the Catholics would uh, uh, would argue yes, there is an answer. Return to the Catholic Church. Return to the Catholic Church. But to return to the Catholic Church, then you have to then basically say okay then we're not saved by salvation, by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. We're not saved by an imputed righteousness. You, gotta, you just got to reject all of that theology, and you got to go back to the Catholic Church and accept whatever theology there are right now. And, you know, the, the Catholic Churches have, well, they have a lot of their own issues right now. I mean, a lot of their own issues. Um, and, I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think the, their issues are going to get any better. I think their issues are going to get even worse. But you could say, well, it's still better than what the Protestants have. Yeah, I guess so. If you want to return back to all of that theology, you just better hope all of that theology is right. Because if all of that theology is wrong, then you've got unity, but you end up in hell. <laughs> okay. All right. So, hey, we've got unity. Yes, and you've got false doctrine. Okay. So. There, there's not a lot, there's no easy answer, but it, just because there's no, so it, it's really difficult in how to proceed here. On one hand, you got to be bothered by it. You have to be bothered by it. On the other hand, there's only so, there's only so much you can do with how much it bothers you. It's like, I, on one hand, I don't want indifference because you're, you just shrug your shoulders like, well, who cares? Nothing I can do. I think that's wrong. But at the same time, you, you, you can't be so bothered that you're like, well, I just, I don't know what to do. Well, I know one thing you're supposed to do. You got to keep living out your Christian life, reading, studying the Bible, trying to minister to people and growing as a Christian. And you still have, all of those things are still required, even though there's no, look, there's no answer. There's lots of things you're not going to have answers for in your Christian life. Can't just be like, well, I'm just going to stop doing anything and just have a pity party. No, you you got to, you got to still do what you need to do, but it, it is a problem. Now, there's t- I, I, I go through cycles. I let it bother me, and then I have to just say, okay, press on. And then I let it bother me, and then I'll just, okay, press on. I, I'll, I'll return to it here or there, but people get defensive and get frustrated with it, and I'm like, I, wh- I don't know what you – it's not my fault. I, I'm not the one who created the problem. I'm just the one willing to acknowledge 
the problem. Discover the word, they seem to be willing to acknowledge the problem, at least, well, they're willing to acknowledge it that they spent two weeks trying to address it. I'm curious, do they have some wonderful answer? We're getting ready to find out. So let's go back. Discover the word. They call this, why can't we all just get along? That's what they call this. They do two weeks. Why can't we all just get along? Don't you wish it was that easy? Why can't we all just get along? No, no. Christians are never going to get along. They're never. Christians can't agree on anything. I mean, whenever I, what drives me crazy are the Christians who try to argue with me that, and, and, I, and I do get frustrated with this. I don't argue with people anymore when they do it. I just kind of just ignore them and let them just say whatever because it's a waste of my time. But what blows my mind is Christians who try to tell me, well, we're not as, dis, as there's not as much disunity as you make it out to be. And I'm just like, whatever. If, if you If you are that naive to believe that, there really isn't any point in having a discussion. Christians don't agree on baptism. Christians don't agree on the Lord's Supper. Christians don't agree on the on the organization leadership of a church. Christians don't agree on church discipline. Christians don't agree on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Christians don't agree on pretty much anything. Take a passage of scripture, get 10 Christians in a room, and say, what's the correct interpretation? You'll probably end up with 50. No one agrees on anything, all right? They they constantly disagree. Someone says, "You mean they disagree with you?" Yeah, they ever. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Hey, no, you're wrong. There's unity within Christianity. Yeah, and you're showing that there's so much unity in Christianity by disagreeing with me. So yeah, that that I don't know if that really proves your point. No, we're more unified than you say we are. You're wrong. Well, that seems to prove that we're not in unity. So yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, the more you argue about the lack, the more you argue, the more you prove how disunified we are. It's, it may be one of the most difficult things. If I, if I was to go through, like if I was to make a list, and you could probably do it in your own Christian life. Like what are some of the most disturbing things about Christianity that will always, that, that you weren't quite prepared for? I don't think I was quite prepared for, because I think in my mind, well, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we both believe the Bible, but I, I, I wasn't quite prepared that, no, it doesn't really matter. They have the Bible, I have the Bible, and nobody agrees on what it says. I, I thought, like, when you become a pastor, like, I, I was naive, like, you know, you're going you're gonna to spend hours and hours and hours studying, and you're going to stand behind the pulpit, and you're going to open up the Bible, and you're going to be like, okay, here we go, and then people will be like, wow, that's good. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. People are going to be like, nope, you're wrong. Your eight hours of study doesn't mean anything to me because I just looked at it while you were teaching, and I already know you're wrong, and you're like, well, okay, well, wow, okay, like, there, I, this... The amount of disunity, the amount of, of division, I think has been somewhat startling to me at times because you really want to believe that, no, you're a Christian and I'm a Christian. There's, but it, it doesn't work that way. But what, let's just see what they have to say. Let's see. I, because I don't know. You know. That's always the fun part of these is I don't know. Now, I'm worried <laughs> because... As bad as I have felt this week, I'm still not 100%. So I hope I have clarity of thought here. So if I miss something, you can let me know. 
hey, I think you missed something right there. You're slipping. I, I probably am, but hopefully, hopefully by I'm hope I'm every 24 hours, I'm hoping for a little bit of improvement, but uh, I feel at least my voice is holding up. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. So here we go. We're going to see how far we can go with this. Are you ready? Discover the word podcast. They're calling this. Why can't we all just get along? They do two weeks on this. Let's see how much we can review, analyze and critique. And just listen, put your thinking caps on. Here we go. Would you say that Christians are characterized more by unity or by division? Well, critics would often say division. I mean, by some counts, there are tens of thousands of denominations. Did you catch that? Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to play that again. You got to catch that. You had to have caught caught that. You had to. You you had to. You, You had to. Right. I I hope while you were listening that you were like, wait, what did they just say? Oh, man. This is the part. This is one of the things about Christianity that just drives me nuts. Let's see if you catch it. All right. Here we go. Would you say that Christians are characterized more by unity or by division? Well, critics would often say division. I mean, by some. Critics. Critics say it. Critics. It's those big, bad, mean, horrible critics who always criticize Christianity. (laughs) They make us out to be divided people. What are you talking about? It shouldn't, the, 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 the accusation of division should not be coming from outside the church. The, the reality of division is experienced inside the church. It shouldn't be critics who get the blame for this. It's those critics who say we're so disu- we're, we're, there's disunity and division and we're divided. It's those critics who say it. You're telling me it's not true? Why would you put that in the words of critics? You should say anyone who's been a Christian for any length of time are very aware, is very aware of the disunity and division that they have seen and experienced in their Christian life. Why would we not just say it as this is something we all know to be true? Let's back that up again, and then we'll let it play out a little further. Right? I know you're like, we're never going to get done. I know, but that's just insane. It's not critics. We shouldn't be blaming critics for pointing it out. We all know it to be true. Would you say that Christians are characterized more by unity or by division? Well, critics would often say division. I mean, by some counts, there are tens of thousands of denominations. How many different Christian churches are there where you live? The town where I live is a fairly small rural community, population about 4,000, and I can count over a dozen Christian churches just in my town. A Wesleyan church, a Congregational, Baptist, Nazarene, Catholic, Lutheran, United Methodist, Reformed, Christian Reformed, Alliance, Assembly of God, Independent Bible, a Bible Believers Church, a Vineyard Church. That's probably not even all of them. Well, for our next two podcasts on Discover the Word, the group's going to be talking about some advice from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans about getting along. Why can't we all just get along? Be part of that conversation. 
that begins next. Welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. All right, let's stop right there. Now, I I like the fact that he acknowledged that there's all those different churches, even in his small town. But just think about it. Now, I'd have to go back through his list, but he mentions Lutherans. Once again, we're right back to a very important question. There would not even be agreement on whether we consider people who who, uh, are Lutheran whose salvation supposedly occurred when they were like eight days old and water was sprinkled on them. Are they saved? Are they even a part of the body of Christ? Are they even Christian? Some will say yes, some will say no. So, and, if, and, if, if it ba- and if you say that they're saved, then you're claiming that infant baptism saves. And if you're claiming that infant baptism saves, then why didn't you baptize your babies? Are you going to say Catholics are saved? Well, if you say Catholics are so, the, so the point is not only there is disagreement on who we would even consider within many of those churches as either being considered saved or not saved, or or some of those churches. If Vineyard is that a part of the Vineyard movement? If that is, well, would you consider that movement even biblical, or would you consider it apostate? I have a hard time. The Assemblies of God. I mean, to me, any denomination that has in their doctrinal statement that what Jesus did on the cross, not only did he supposedly save us from our sins, he also provided and guaranteed physical healing for us right now, right here, right now. By his stripes, we are healed. So if I believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, not only does he save me, he will heal me of any of my physical ailments. And that's, that's, that's the privilege of the believer for right here, right now, while we're on this earth. Well, that... That theological system right there, I've got major issues with, major issues with, because one, it calls into question, then what did Jesus really accomplish on the cross? Because if supposedly what he did on the cross was to provide healing, well, there's no, people are getting sick and dying all over the place. There's, the healings are not occurring. So that would tell me that Jesus didn't really do anything on the cross and that what he did on the cross wasn't actually effective because if he supposedly provides spiritual healing and physical healing, and the physical healing would therefore prove the spiritual healing. Well, then I can't even trust in the spiritual healing because clearly I've not experienced the supposed physical healing. The, the, the theological system there is a massive train wreck. Uh, and it's I, it caused so much pain and damage in the lives of people. So w- w- what do we do with that? Like I'm saying just going through some of those groups and then you get to the Nazarenes and you get to you know, the whole like second blessing, entire sanctification issues. I mean, those are some major, I mean, you're talking massive theological differences, massive theological differences. So we, we, we wouldn't even be able to agree on which, on, on some of those churches he listed. Would we even call them Christian or would, where do we even classify them? We wouldn't even be able to agree on that. But but let's see what they're going to do. They're going to use uh, Paul's writing in Romans to supposedly, I guess, help us all get along. I'm curious to see what they do with this. Here we go. Brian Hedinga inviting you to pull up a chair and be part of the conversation that the group will be having about unity and diversity and getting along as followers of Christ. Because, you know, I named all those different Christian churches in my fairly small town 
But is it even realistic to say that in any of those individual churches that all the people that go to any particular church get along? Please know what he just did. He referred to Catholics as Christians. He called them all Christian churches. So they're all a part of Christianity. So therefore, they're all valid? Are they all valid? You see, what, what I, what, the reason this is, this is, he's laying the foundation almost for a, an argument. And the foundation is this. Look, we just have to refer to everyone as basically being Christian. They're all valid churches, no matter the completely opposite truth claims. They're all valid so that there, there is going to be diversity within, there's going to be diversity within the, there's going to be no diversity how, how, how would we say this? There's going to, there's diversity within the body of Christ, um, within the, I can't call it unity. They're just going to say, instead of calling it disunity, we're just going to call it diversity. I think that's how they're going to, they're going to, they're, it seems like they're laying the, the, the foundation for this kind of an argument. Hey, see, all of these churches in my town, it's not a bad thing. They're all Christian. They're all Christians. But it's just, look at the beauty within the diversity. They're going to view it as a, the, the evidence of diversity within the body of Christ. They're not going to see it as a negative. And I'm always blown away by people who can pull that off because I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me the Catholic and the Lutheran, that's just diversity. <laughs> Lutheran, the, the entire Protestant Reformation, where basically Luther was declaring the church, the Catholic church as heretics, apostate, had abandoned the truth, and the Catholic church was calling Lutheran excommunicate basically them as apostate, and they need to repent. But somehow... We set aside all of that reality and all of that history, and we're just like, look at the beauty. Look at how beautiful this diversity. That's not diversity. That's completely opposing systems of thought and theology and doctrine. But Christians are great at pulling this, playing these little word games. It's just, look, they're all Christian churches. They're all Christian churches with completely different doctrinal sets. So, so I'm mean, is a oneness Pentecostal Christian? Who denies the doctrine of the Trinity? I mean, because I mean, we, we basically treated T.D. Jakes as as you know, no problem there, right? So is is that is that acceptable? <laughs> so it, either you have to just embrace the chaos and say, "Man, we're never going to fix this disunity," or you got to play this weird game that no, 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 we're not really divided; we're just diversified. <laughs> Let's see. I'll let them play out the argument, but that's where it feels like it's going for me. I would guess probably not. And so this message from Paul was needed in Rome, and it's obviously needed today. Why can't we all just get along? It's going to be an important study in Romans that the group does over the uh, next two podcasts. Taking part will be Marta Hahn, Annalisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And I think we're going to discover with them in Romans 12 and following a number of things that will contribute to followers of Christ being more characterized by unity. After all, isn't that what Jesus wanted for us when he prayed for us in John 17? Well, Elisa has put this series together, and so uh, let's listen as she gets us started. 
Did you guys have siblings, and did you ever fight? <laughs> How did your parents handle that when you fought? I have six siblings. Oh, my goodness, that's right, Bill. <laughs> that's, yep. I have three brothers and three sisters, and all of us fought all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was kind of this universal reality growing See, oh, how cute. When you, had, when you had brothers and sisters, you fought. But see, you're still family, right? So within Christianity, isn't it cute? We have all these different denominations, and we may fight, but we're still family. We don't even agree on who's family, all right? It's, we, 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 we don't even agree. In fact, the fact that she's leading the Bible study, you do realize there's a good portion of the body of Christ who would say she shouldn't be leading the Bible study, <laughs> There would be disagreement on, there are some people who would hit play and go, wait, she's leading the Bible study? I'm not listening to this. Bunch of apostate liberal garbage. So I'm telling you, there would not even be agreement on this podcast for crying out loud. All right, let's continue. Daniel, what about you? Yeah, three younger sisters, and uh, they just would not do things the way I thought they should. (laughs) So we didn't get along as much as we should have. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there were four of us brothers, mm-hmm. and I remember the brother closest to me, we used to go at it. You know, really? And you know what's so funny is we ended up working together in life. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I have an older sister and a younger brother, and then I have two half and a step, so it's kind of complicated. But it's an interesting group around this table because we have kind of all different mixes. How did your parents handle your fighting? Did you have any ground rules or any you-have-tos? No blood. No blood, see? <laughs> yes, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. My mom was a peacemaker, uh-huh. and so she did not like fighting in the house. But the most common thing that I heard was, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, so. Right. Yeah. I can remember my sister and I grew up in a single mom family. My sister and I would be in the back seat in those, what do they call those sedans, like mm-hmm. an Impala, you know, driving from Houston to Fort Worth, Texas. And my sister and I would draw a line across the seat. And if anybody came across it, then we would have these claw wars where we'd grab each other's forearms and dig our fingernails. Bad, bad. As a mom, though, of my two children, a daughter and then the son, I really got uncomfortable when they fought. And I had this technique, I'm not sure it's terrific, (laughs) but I would make them sit down cross-legged on the carpet, looking eye to eye with their knees touching, and I would make them stay there until they could be kind to each other. <laughs> they did not like this. So when are they going to get up? I know. Right? <laughs> I'll bet that really worked. No, it did not work. But my whole point was, I'm very close to my brother now, and I'm very close to my sister now, and we have different relationships. But we stuck it out in some way. And I think that's what I've been after as a parent. But can we really legislate that kind of getting along? That's what I was thinking of, because you hear a parent... Forcing a child to say, say you're sorry, mm-hmm. you know, or to force the child to forgive. And a little later on, you're, you can't do that. You yeah. can't force it. You can control and get the words. True. But we can't control people and their hearts and their motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think your comment, Daniel, about wait till your father gets home is a fun metaphor for where we're going <laughs> in the next <laughs> several conversations. We're going to a surprising place, I think, with this introduction. We're going to the Book of Romans. And this book of Romans is a fascinating letter. We always think of it for what? Theology. Theology. You know, the basic doctrines of Christianity that Paul set down. But recently when I was journeying through it, I 
and, and I just have to laugh. You know, we just think of it for theology. Yeah, we think of it. A book of Romans. Nobody agrees on anything. Okay, you you've got the doctrine of election. You got issues of Israel. The Christianity is massively divided over the book of Romans. I mean, there's not even agreement on the book of Romans. So it's like, hey, we're going to we're going to use the book of Romans to talk about how to be unified as Christians. Well, why don't we talk about why we can't agree on, I don't know, Romans one to Romans chapter 11? Like what? Like why? Why? Why can't we talk about why there's no agreement on how to interpret Romans chapter one to Romans chapter 11? But no, 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 no. We're going to just say, well, we, we all know it for theology. But now we're going to talk about, I guess, something practical. Let, let's see where they go. That this isn't heady theology. This is applied theology. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to get along for when our father comes back and when our father comes <laughs> yeah. home, so to speak. And so that's where I want to take us. I see in here principles for how can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. Can we have a healthy relationship. On the basis of what Paul has said, right? Yes. The good news prior to that. Exactly. In- Oh, so let me bring this up. So if we are supposed to get along on the basis of what Paul has said previously, wouldn't it require us to agree on what Paul had said previously? (laughs) Right? Hey, 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 Paul's about to give us something practical. He's not not headed, uh, not a heady theology, but a very practical theology. He wants to tell us how we, how we are to live, how we are to get along. Well, if you're going to say it's on the basis of what he said before the good news, the gospel, there's not agreement on that within the body of Christ. You've got the division between, um, Pelagianism and Augustinianism, Calvinism versus Arminianism. You've got, I mean, you've got all the uh, amillennialist and what, how they view Israel versus say a dispensationalist and how they view Israel. We've got some massive disagreements in Romans 1 to 11. So if we can't even agree on what Paul said, then what's the point of then skip just immediately pretending, but now we're going to find a way how to get along. I think we would have to, if we're going to talk about how to get along, we would have to figure out why we can't agree on Romans chapter one through 11. I, I just think that they're just, there's overlooking that fact. They're just pretending like everyone agrees on Romans one through 11. No, they don't. In fact, can we just review a little bit of the history of this book? Paul is setting out theology and they're basic tenets. Can you think of some of them that come to mind? We're not going to go through them all today, but just some of them. Well, you had mentioned how most of us think of the book of Romans, and immediately the Romans road comes to mind. I think that's definitely one of the foundational pieces of this book. Dan and Neth, just the basic points, not all of them, but just what was the idea of the road? Yeah, so Romans 3.23, 6.23, and 10.9 and 10, which is basically walking through that all people have sinned, that we need God to come into our lives and change our hearts, Mm -hmm. and that if we confess that with our mouths and believe that in our hearts, then we find salvation. Okay. And so there's some very specific... And you do realize a lot of people reject the whole Romans Road idea as well. So there's not even agreement on that. But that's okay. I just find it funny that they just want to go back to the theology. I'm like, here's just the basic tenets that nobody agrees on. It just it's it's so ironic that they they want us to learn about unity, 
<laughs> in the book of Romans where there's so much disunity and how to even understand it. Specific doctrines laid out. As we get into this applied theology, these are almost like 10 Beatitudes, if you will, because they all start with a B, <laughs> as I pulled them out of the text, looking at be this, be that, be this other thing, be this, add to this. That's how I'm seeing them. It's who we are. It's how we be with each other that God's called us to because of the theology, that we are fallen creatures. And God gave his son, Jesus, that we could be in a restored relationship. And I think that's the key. And that goes back to what Mart said earlier. I think none of this works unless there has been the work of God in the mm -hmm. heart of a person. We can't be anything right. apart from him. And that's where we're going to come every day. We're pretty much going to come right back to that. Because otherwise, it's like being a really nice person. Or even out of a sense of guilt or feeling out of, if I don't do it, mm -hmm. it's a fear of consequence sometimes, mm. or it's in the presence of other people. You don't want to be shamed. You don't want to you know, look dumb or look bad in the presence of others. Kind of a defense yeah. posture. Mm -hmm. But again, we find in the Gospels, Jesus' harshest words were saved for the people who, through religion, practiced an empty morality. Yeah. Well, looking really good. Yeah. Here's some things about the book of Romans. And this is so interesting to me. Paul had never been to Rome. He'd never met the people that he's writing to. And what's so interesting to me as I began to look at this deeply is Paul is writing in the year 57, okay, about in 49, Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jewish Christians from the city of Rome. That left just the Gentile believers. So Paul is writing now after Claudius died and the Jewish Christians have returned. He's writing to a people who haven't been together who've been used to being apart. And now they're challenged with, what do I believe? And how mm -hmm. does what I believe make a difference in who I am, in who we are together, and probably most important in how we are the body of Christ? Well, that's what our churches are like today, mm -hmm. everywhere, all around the globe. Mm -hmm. Can't we just get along? You know, we may fight over denominational issues, but we have deep schisms over ideas, over lifestyles, over views politically, and we're not sure what to think, mm -hmm. much less how to live and worship together. Okay, what you're describing is not just the mix of Christians and Jewish people, but of Christians and Jewish people who share a common belief in Christ, but who are still going to have a difficult time getting along. So just like us, there's people within our own bodies, within our own churches that believe differently. And we are also living elbow to elbow with other people in our world that don't believe the way we do. And I think there's some great B attitudes, you know, within this applied theology that can help us. And the first one I want to look at today is in Romans 12, 1 and 2, very familiar verses. Daniel, do you have those? Would you just read those for us? Sure. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We've read those verses many times, many mm. of us. What pops out of the text to you? Right away is living sacrifice. That doesn't seem to go together. <laughs> That's an oxymoron, <laughs> isn't it? What jumps out to me is 
what you point us to earlier and what Mark did as well, and that's this challenge to be transformed. Mm-hmm. It's easy to let that one slip by, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's really absolutely the foundation of yeah. our whole conversation. A living sacrifice is so startling. I mean, Mm -hmm. a sacrifice was an animal taken to an altar, killed. Mm -hmm. And Paul talks about, after he's just laid out all of theology here about how we need our Savior and how to live with our Savior, he now says, you present your body as a living sacrifice and be transformed. Do you think he was thinking of Christ at that point? Yeah, because Christ was the dying sacrifice, in a sense, so that we could be a living sacrifice in his name. Is that what you're getting to? I'm just wondering. I haven't thought about it before, but I thought even in his life and in his suffering, there was a sense in which he was alive and yet Mm -hmm. sacrificing himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he probably did that in spirit and in Mm -hmm. principle throughout his three years of ministry. He was giving of himself. Well, it reminds me of the passage that talks about how we're supposed to take up our crosses and follow Mm -hmm. him, Mm -hmm. which is a similar idea. Right. It's this application of it in our own everyday being. Mm -hmm. In fact, the verb is a metamorphosis kind of verb. It's an ongoing, it's an everyday, all day being different because Mm -hmm. he was different. So how are we going to get along with each other? You know, Mm -hmm. we who are different in our world, it boils down to beginning at the beginning, being transformed because of what Jesus did in his sacrifice. We then enter into it ourselves, being a sacrifice by being transformed. Have you known a person, or maybe a child, or maybe growing up, who was labeled with the term a gifted person? Gifted. Okay. Now, I think that wraps up. If you don't know how the Discover the Word podcast works, it's broken down into 15-minute segments because it's supposed to be done like a small group. They used to release one episode per day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, they put all the programs together in one episode, but they just they still have the intro and the outro and the intro and the outro. It's kind of weird the way they do it now, but I liked it just releasing one episode per day, but I guess I just wanted to give everyone the whole thing on a, I guess they, they release it now Sunday night uh, instead of waiting till Monday. Um, and it's, you know, the whole thing is about 55 minutes long, but we'll stop right there. I, 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 I don't want to be super critical here. I just find it, I find it frustrating because this to me, once again, is how so much of modern Christianity loves to, to just, to me, paint over the problem. The problem is this massive disunity, and it's like, okay, so how do we, how do we resolve this disunity? How, well, here's what we got to do. If everyone, if everyone, right, would just um, present themselves as a living sacrifice and no longer be conformed to this world and be transformed, we could all just get along. Really? Because if we became a living sacrifice and was transformed, with the, with that, what do you think that would fix it? Do you think that would bring unity? No, because we would still disagree on major theological issues. If if, if the if the Catholic and the Lutheran both be, present themselves as a living sacrifice and was transformed, right by the renewing of their minds, are you going to say all of a sudden now Catholics and uh, and Catholics and Lutherans are now just going to become one. Now, I think I, I, may, maybe, maybe we approach it from this direction. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to work this out that, that it's never going, I get, I, I don't think they're ever going to, I, I would hope 
maybe I'm wrong. I don't think in this podcast they're going to ever they're going to ever claim that we we can be unified. I think what they're going to claim is we will never be unified, right? But within this diversity, we can act. There, there. These are the things that should govern the way we act, right? In other, but I, but I, you know. So look, you're a Catholic. I'm, I'm not a Catholic. Well, but see, that's. That would require then me to say that the Catholic is a Christian. And can I say Catholic theology is Christianity? I cannot. Because if, if, put it this way, if Catholics are Christians, then why don't we all just go back to the Catholic Church? I mean, I mean, let's really, I mean, this is one of the things that, that drives me crazy about certain aspects of the evangelical world who, who wants, who, who it, I, on one hand, I'm gr- glad that the disunity bothers them, but they always, in order to try to give some sense of unity, they'll, they'll claim, say, Catholics are, are saved, that, that Catholicism is a, a legitimate form of Christianity. Well, if you say that, then wouldn't the appropriate thing to do then is just for you to sacrifice Give up your Protestant denomination and just return to Rome. They've got the structure. They've got it. Let's just go back to that. And then, and then the problem is solved. But, but it's like, no, they're Christians, but I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to go any, go over there with them. But if I call them Christians then somehow that claims that there's some kind of unity, there can't be unity when they're making doctrinal claims that are absolutely completely the idea of purgatory, the idea of indulgences, the idea, I mean, the idea of an infused righteousness versus an imputed righteousness, the idea of, of, of you can, uh, you know, commit a sin and no longer be in a state of grace and, and lose your salvation. I mean, all the different things, the Marian, the Marian dogmas, all the different things. I mean, like, come on, there's just no way you can say that, that, that form of Christianity and our form of Christianity are any, anything remotely close to the same. Yeah. Are there some things agreed upon? Yes. But that, what do you do there? So I guess what they're going to try to say is we'll never be unified, but what should govern our actions towards others is that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice and that we are transformed. So we treat others this is more not about, this is not an attempt to fix the disunity. This is more an attempt in how do we treat others and whom we are divided from. I mean, they didn't really give us much here. Hey, be a living sacrifice and be transformed. Okay, that's very vague. What does that look like? Now, we could do this. I know this. No matter how divided I am from someone else in their theology, I am, I, we do know this. We are to love even our enemy, right? So we are to demonstrate love, but that doesn't mean we compromise on truth and it doesn't mean we don't call out error as error. So there's got to be a, a balance there. So I, So this is more about, is this going to be more about, hey, you're, there's going to be Christians you're going to disagree. Well, see, once again, it's uh, no. There's going to be people you disagree with. Here is how what should govern your behavior. That seems to be more the direction they're going to go. But we'll have to stop there for now. And I'll end with basically this: How do you reconcile in your own mind Jesus saying 
Jesus praying that we would all be one and that there is supposedly one body, one baptism. How, how do you reconcile John 17, 21 and Ephesians 4, 4 with the reality that you see whenever you drive around probably the town you live in? And you're like, you boom, there's Catholic Church, there's Pentecostal Church, there's a Church Christ, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that, there's this. And in many cases, if you've lived in the city for a long time, you go, well, that church used to be called this name, but then there was a split, and that church over there came from that church, and then that church, there was a split, and that church. You may even be able to tr- uh, draw a, uh, you know, like a chart showing wi- that this church is a result of a split from that church, and this church is a, as a result of a split from that church. You may even know all the different splits that occurred to give you the more the, the number of churches that you have within a certain geographical region. How do you reconcile all of that? I mean, just right here in in the city where I live, there are three Christian universities, three, a Methodist, a Church of Christ, and a Baptist. (laughs) Three different denominational uh, universities. And guess what? Are they unified? Well, they're not unified in their theology in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, that, that's just something you have to work on. You're going to ask me, what's the answer? I don't have the answer. I'm still trying to figure, look, I, I will never understand the disunity. I'm still trying to figure out why we can't agree on even how to interpret a scripture. I'm still trying to figure out why we can't agree on even basic hermeneutical principles. I'm still trying to figure out why every verse is, uh, it feels like it's just every verse you teach is just another verse waiting for an argument to break out because nobody can agree on anything. That's that's what I'm still trying to figure out. That's, to me, the most baffling part. Oh, you believe in the Bible? I believe in the Bible? Okay, praise God. That's, that's awesome, okay? So, well, t- today I was reading this, and I, and I started looking at this. Nope, 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 you're wrong. Nope, you're wrong. Nope, okay, well, all right, well, that's, that's great. That is where I'm... I, 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 there's no way to fix, there's no way to fix this. There's, there's just, like I said, the Protestant Reformation, there were unintended consequences. There were unintended consequences from the Protestant Reformation, right? Very grateful for uh, much of the theology that comes out of the Reformation because I'm a very reformed in my theology, but I am, but I will not play any game and pretend that there weren't horrible unintended consequences, because the unintended consequences, everybody was like, hey, no, 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 no. I disagree with you, and I'm going to disagree with them, and I'm going to disagree. And, and it just one, one group after another 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 group. But it should bother us. I just don't know what's, what's the appropriate level of bother. Like how – you can only be so bothered by it because you'll just go – you'll go mad. You can like, this bothers me, and then all you can do is then – I got some ideas, but we'll we'll see where this plays out. So what what, what I, I I feel I'm feeling pretty good. So what we'll do is I may take a little bit of a break, and then we will uh we'll see what we can do. Maybe I'll press on for later this afternoon, 
and see what we can do. We'll, we'll definitely going to return to this. This is just, like I said, this is kind of where we've, we've stumbled upon this and that's, we're going to follow this. Uh, and I won't, I'm not, I'm going to let you go look up this podcast and listen to, uh, probably all of part two. I'm not going to review any of part two, but we'll work a little bit more on part one and, uh, Maybe we'll do some reading in Romans 12 and see what we can come up with. So I, I, got, I got an idea. I got an idea, I think. It's not perfect, but I, I think maybe I can we'll, – we'll, I think we can work something out on this. But we'll see what other people have to say. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the day holds. Thanks for listening. God bless.